Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number five in this series on the mind of Christ, seeing the world through God's eyes. Now, I'll tell you, I've talked to you before about multidimensionalism, and I'm telling you, there is no end to what we could talk about in respect to this incredible biblical truth that honestly science has denied for the better part of 2,000 years, and actually this concept is presented in the Bible. And I consider multidimensionalism to be one of the secrets to the supernatural, or one of the keys to the supernatural. And so we're going to just jump right in here, and we're going to run with this. And uh, man, I hope I hope you don't turn this into something flaky, something mystical, something far out, because this is something very, very practical, but requires an incredible uh, spiritual mindedness. Now, somewhere around the 13th and 14th century, an ancient sage called Anachmonides discovered through his studies in the book of Genesis that prior to the fall of man, the world existed in 10 dimensions. And, um, and prior to the fall of man, uh, we as human beings would have been fully capable of functioning and moving in and out of these dimensions. And when sin came into the world, we lost our perception of these 10 dimensions and could only function in what we know now as three dimensions. Now, when we talk about three dimensions, you could say four if you add time as another dimension, because but time and space are, are intimately linked together, so they're usually just described as one dimension. Now, one thing you have to realize, our ability to function in multiple dimensions is also intimately connected to our ability to perceive those other dimensions. Now, other than other than that, and you, you can perceive other dimensions to a certain degree, but other than that, when we operate in faith, in the not faith where you're trying to talk God into something, trying to convince him to do something, trying to get him to answer your prayers, none of that religious nonsense, the kind of faith that when God says, this is how you do this. Just like when Jesus explained to the disciples about speaking to a mountain, and, and if, you, if you have no doubt at all in your heart, you believe that what you say will come to pass, that that mountain will move. Or when you speak, just like when he spoke to the fig tree and said, no man ever give you again, bam, the fig tree died. He was using that as an object lesson, what I would call a life lesson, to show them the, what functioning and other dimensions would look like. So when, when we truly, without wavering, believe not just a truth uh, about what God has said, but 
how God says we can function in something, then we can function in multidimensionalism, even though we really don't fully understand it. We don't have to understand all that stuff scientifically. We just have to believe what God says about it. Now, like I said, multidimensionalism is one of the primary keys to unlocking the secrets of the universe. Very specifically, uh, it opens our hearts and our minds to the truth about what we call the supernatural. Now, we've already talked a little bit about the supernatural previously, and, uh, and we've talked a little bit about dimensionalism uh, really several times, but I'm not going to be repeating myself here. But until we understand this concept of multidimensionalism, we will trivialize one of the most important doctrines of the new covenant. Based on scripture, it is completely incorrect, unscriptural, to define the supernatural as that which violates the natural laws of physics or the natural laws of science. And we have talked about this previously, but we're going to touch on it again. Romans 1.20, it says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his internal power or his eternal power in Godhead. So based on creation, what the things that God has made, which we can see, we can perceive, through these things, through the laws of nature, we can understand many, many things about the invisible attributes of God. Now, the reason that's not happening is because the, the church has been so dogmatic and so argumentative about things that actually were not scientific. They were not based on absolute laws of physics. They were based on, on religious opinions. And uh, by the same token, the scientific world pretty much uh, does not want to believe in God, does not want to acknowledge God. And one of the, I mean, there's two reasons why the scientific world does not want to acknowledge God. Number one, it would take away their ability to totally control us, to totally control the world through false information. But number two, it would, it would take away from them every justification for personal sin and immoral and ungodly living. And so, so science and religion are at odds with the truth and with what all the things we could understand about God because of their own dogma, because of their own opinions, because of their, their willful intentions to be ignorant of the things of God. Now, see, if creation, if the laws of creation can help us see and perceive uh, and if they, in other words, if they reveal or manifest to us things about the character and the nature of God, then if God violates any of those laws of nature, then he corrupts our ability to see him as he is. So we can no longer use nature. We can no longer use the laws of physics to understand things about God because he violates them. So you know, years ago, one of the things that I came to realize through not just this scripture, but through this and hundreds of other scriptures, is that the supernatural, what we call the supernatural, which I don't, that term is really not scientifically correct, it is not biblically correct, but it is a term that everybody uses, so I'm willing to use it so that we don't have confusion. 
But the supernatural is not when God violates the laws of nature and intervenes by violating the laws of nature. This, what we call the supernatural is when God uses laws of nature that we do not believe or do not understand. We don't, we're not willing to trust how God says we can interact with those laws of nature. So God never violates the very laws of nature that he created. And instead, if we would be willing to look at those things the way they are truly revealed, we would see and understand more and more and more about God. Now, one of the laws of multidimensionalism is this. If you can perceive other dimensions, you can begin to move or to function in those di dimensions. Now, remember, perception is not what you see with your eyes. Perception relates very much to having what the Bible calls an understanding heart. You know, and understanding something from a heart perspective, not from an intellectual perspective, and understanding something, we have this ability to look at all of these pieces that seem to be diametrically opposed to each other. We don't see how they all fit together. And yet with an understanding heart, we can bring these things together in ways that help us understand God in ways that help us see the picture as a whole. There is this tendency when we are functioning totally out of our intellectual powers that, uh, that we actually want to break everything down into separate, small, understandable parts, and we lose the concept uh, of, of macrocosm, microcosm. We forget that everything in this universe is linked together. Everything operates in connection and in concert with something else. And that's the same way it is in the human body. That's the same way it is with the Word of God. That's why the Word of God is called the Logos. It's a logic. It is, it a, it's a wisdom. It's a reasoning. It's an understanding. Every word is linked to every other word. Any, if there's contradiction between any words and, and the Word of God, then, then we absolutely, it all falls apart. So we need to be able to perceive, not, again, not with our physical eye, not with our intellectualism, but to perceive with an understanding heart. You know, there were times when God would get upset with the children of Israel because they said they wanted to see God. But then you read and you see that God did not get upset with Moses when he wanted to see, to see God. Why? Because Moses, he didn't need to see something with his eyes that his intellect could understand. Moses was asking to perceive God so that he could understand him with his heart. And most of us are wanting to see God because we don't trust him. We don't believe in him. We're looking for some big supernatural sign to convince us that God is true and that God is real. But if you believe in God, you don't need all that. If you really believe everything the Word of God says about God, then you don't need all that. But what you do need is to be able to perceive who he is beyond our intellectual interpretations of who we think is. Now, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he put on his resurrection body. And so by doing so, this, by the way, this is what will happen to us in the rapture. This is what will happen to, to people who are resurrected, people who have already died. They will, their body will be raised up, and it will be a, a body that is able to function and move in other dimensions because we will be able to perceive other dimensions. 
until his resurrection, he had to interact with other dimensions by faith, just like we do, because the Bible says he was tempted in every way like we are. The Bible says he emptied himself and was found in the fashion, the likeness of, of human beings. And so Jesus was limited in every way that we were, and his every interaction with God was a work of faith and grace, whereby he trusted God and God's word just like we did. But the difference was because he was immovable about trusting God, then he kept moving through the process of, of perception. And at first he, 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 he understood who God was because of what the, maybe what the rabbi said, maybe what Mary told him. Uh, who knows where he was getting his input. And then at some point in time, he evidently began to read the Bible because he, he could talk about the scriptures and he could debate the scriptures with people that, you know, that were scribes and had great learning and all that kind of stuff. And then ultimately, as he moved through each of these phases by operating faith, ultimately he began to hear God teach him. Just, and we can go through those exact same phases where, where the Holy Spirit becomes our teacher that takes us into dimensions that honestly our intellect can never, 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 never take us. Uh, so, and we know, by the way, that he had a that he had a spiritual body after the resurrection because, uh, you know, two different times the disciples were meeting in a room, the doors were closed, and he appeared in the room. Now, I want you to understand, he didn't walk through the wall. I've always thought he did, but really he didn't. He manifests in a room. So how is it that angels can, you know, go from here and disappear and be gone and be in some other part of the world instantly? Well, that happens by passing through other dimensions. Other dimensions uh, operate at different laws than time and space operate for us. And so in, in, in these other dimensions, there isn't time and there isn't space. And so we move from here to there and there is no space and there is no time. It is instantaneous. It's not traveling a, a certain distance and taking a certain time to do it. It is instantaneous. By the way, this is exactly what the rapture will be. The rapture will be something that it happens so quickly, probably the only time that will be involved between us hearing the call of the Lord to meet him and actually meeting him will be that nanosecond that happens so rapidly when we put off our, our, this physical body. And other than that, I believe that's the only time lapse that we will experience, and we will meet him in there. We will be with him immediately in the air. And I don't know about you, but I'll tell you, I practice. I meditate on that. I think about what, it, what it's going to feel like. I think about what it's going to look like. I think about uh, the rapture. I keep my heart open to the fact that one of these days, I am going to hear God's voice in my heart saying, Come unto me, my, my beloved, and I'm, and I'm going to go. I'm going to let go of this world. I'm not going to hesitate. I'm going to go. And I encourage you to do the same thing. Be prepared in your heart for that. Now, 1 John 3, uh, verse 2, tells us something that I've shared with you guys so many times. It says, Beloved, now, right now, we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Now, that word revealed is to be made apparent or to, to be manifest. Now, when you first read this, you, you're thinking, okay, so God really hasn't shown us that yet. Well, you know what? Probably to a great degree, that, that's true. I mean, ultimately, 
at the rapture or the resurrection. You know, if you're dead, you're going to experience this at, at the resurrection. If you're if you're alive, you're going to experience this at the rapture, which is all going to occur at the same time. But uh, yes, at that moment, we are going to perceive Jesus as he really is. But we do not have to wait for the second coming for that to happen. It says, but we know that when he is revealed, when he is made manifest, we shall be like him because we shall see him. Now, that, that word for see is an interesting word. That's not even the word perceive. Yeah, I mean, when I look this word up in the original language, I, I just almost want to dance around here in joy uh, by myself in my, in my study here. That word means to have your eyes opened uh, supernaturally to something that is incredibly remarkable. In other words, something that is beyond your comprehension uh, uh, in this world. So it says that, so we'll be like him when we have an opening of our perception, an opening of our eyes in this incredibly remarkable way that causes us to finally see him as he is. Now, here's the great news. The great news is if we would be willing to surrender our opinions, then to the degree that we let go of our opinions, we can begin seeing Jesus as he is now. This is what it means. You know, having the mind of Christ is not a supernatural event where you pray the right formula or you confess it long enough or whatever else you think might be involved in it. It's not, it's not where you suddenly, uh, the, the mind of Christ, zoom, comes out of heaven, burst into your, into your mind, and you're thinking like Jesus. No, having or putting on the mind of Christ is something that you do to the degree that you are willing to let go of your religious opinions, willing to let go of your denominational uh, traditional beliefs, willing to let go of your family beliefs, willing to let go of every opinion and preference that you have about who you want God to be and see him as he is. You know, people, you know, the Bible talks about the fact that Jesus is going to uh, come again to, for those who love his appearing. Now, loving his appearing is, is, I think, is more than just saying, uh, you know, I'm really glad you finally showed up. I'm glad you're here. I believe loving his appearing is this very thing where we love seeing him as he is. We are not going to hold on to our preferences. And I don't know, you know, I'm, I am not saying that I'm wrong about this, but I am saying this is, this is a precaution of my heart. You can, you can believe it if you want to. Don't believe if you don't want to. Don't. But you know, I don't know that anybody will ever forcibly be raptured because the model of the rapture that the Bible gives us is when the bridegroom comes and, and he's somewhere outside the city, and evidently uh, he, he, and his, uh, uh, he and his bride have rehearsed a particular sound that he's going to make when he blows his ram's horn. And so when that horn is blown, when she hears that sound, he doesn't come and get her. He doesn't come and take her away. He is saying, this is it. This is your invitation to come away with me. I'll tell you, in the Song of Solomon, 
I love it. We used to sing a song out there. I don't remember all the words right now, but but it was taken from the song of Solomon. Come away, my love. I'm waiting. You know, winter's past and gone. And I'm telling you, it, it was just a worship song about about coming out of this world and meeting Jesus. And so in the model that we have about the rapture, another model that we have about the rapture is when Lot was taken out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, uh, Lot's wife looked back, and I, I don't think this was just a casual glance back. I think this was a looking back longing to stay there, and she immediately turned into a pillar of salt. And, uh, uh, and so she didn't make the journey from Sodom and Gomorrah and its destruction to the deliverance that God had prepared. You go, you, you know, you look at Noah, Noah had to build an ark and he spent hundreds of years building an ark and preparing for the flood that was coming and preparing to escape this judgment that was coming on the earth. You look at Enoch, you know, Enoch walked with God at some point in time. Uh, he was not. At some point in time, he crossed over. For me, from my perspective, all of the models of the rapture indicate that it is still our choice right up to the last minute. You know, I'll, I'll just tell you something. You know, one of the reasons, I mean, my first and foremost reason for wanting to win my family to Jesus was their well-being. But I got news for you. I had a certain, well, aspect in this. You know, right after I got saved, and this is going to take a little bit of time, but right after I got saved, uh, man, I'll tell you, I, anytime God put somebody on my heart, I would go track them down that night, right then. I would share Jesus with them, and I would either lead them to Jesus, or I would walk away, and I would have this burden released because I'd, I'd gone and done my part. Well, you know what? One Sunday evening, uh, afternoon, after a pretty hectic weekend, the Lord put a guy on my heart, and you know, I just kind of rationalized. I said, you know what? I'll, I will do that. But, you know, tonight I'm, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm going to rest. I will go see this guy on Monday. Well, Sunday night, he was in an automobile accident and was killed. I don't know if God got somebody else to minister to him, to reach out to him, but I got news for you. That was something I never got over. Never to this day. I mean, I don't have guilt about it. I don't have shame about it, but I got news for you. I especially don't want to face that because I didn't win my my brother, my sister, my mother, my father, my children, my grandchildren to Jesus. I do I do not want the, to be standing there hearing the voice of God calling me to meet him in the air. And I'm like Lot's wife. I'm trying to decide, you know, I, I don't know. I got kids that are not saved. I got grandkids that are not saved. I didn't, I didn't win this. You better do it now if you want to have a heart that's free. You don't want to have any unsettled business. And so, you know, if, if I'm wrong, I'd rather be wrong this way than to believe something else and be wrong that way. But the point is, time's going to come. We're going to be called to, to meet him there. We're going to see him like he is. And we are going to have a, a manifestation of who he is that is so remarkable. It's beyond anything that we could have ever, 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 ever come up with. But we don't have to wait until the resurrection. Like, we, like I mentioned in, in last week's video, um, you know, Isaiah 53, which explains what Jesus did on the cross as whose report are you going to believe? Well, you know, I can't even believe it. I can't believe 
that good people read the Bible and choose to believe something else. They choose to believe other things about education. They believe other things about child discipline. They believe choose to believe other things about what godliness is. They choose to believe other things about sin. They choose to believe other things about the crucifixion. They choose to believe other things about the resurrection. It's like, it's like we think that the kingdom of God is a democracy, and, and we're going to vote on what we decide is true. That is absolutely not going to happen. To the degree that we make Jesus Lord, which means we are willing to give up every belief, every opinion about everything, not about some things, not just about religious things, about everything, about how we manage our money, how we raise our kids, how we treat our spouse, how we treat our friends, how we, what kind of people we are at work, what our morals, values, and ethics are. All of those kinds of things are part and parcel to the whole concept of Jesus being Lord. And to each one of those things, we you know, when we choose to surrender those things so that, so that we can be free to follow Christ in another area of our life, then that opens up our capacity to see him as he is, because we're not going to see him in a way that contradicts with or, or makes us feel condemned about our lifestyle. So now, God actually, and Jesus talked about this in John 17, the ultimate goal for the believer out of, I mean, there are so many hundreds of things that God, yes, wants to, wants to accomplish in our lives, but the ultimate thing is that we become one with him. Now, most of my life would be that we love him, that we have a relationship with him. Well, you know what? Those fall under the goal of becoming one with him. And so becoming one with him, honestly, is going to be one of those things that will open our perception to seeing him as he is, which opens our capacity to grasp and understand other dimensions and really trust God to be able to move in those dimensions. You know, the reason Jesus moved in what we call the supernatural the way he did was because he was one with God. He didn't choose to remain who he was by natural birth. He wanted to be who he was by his supernatural, spiritual man. So until we perceive him as he is, our concept of faith righteousness, our concept of being one with God, our concept of, of godliness and holiness, our concept of, of, of being in Christ is just going to be academic uh, information. Now, we have to answer this question. How bad do I really want to be like Jesus? How bad do I really want to be one with him? Because Jesus in John 17 says, he, he reminds us, he says this in John 15, he says this in other places. He said, now, if you'll keep my commandments, and he clarifies that, that this is done by walking in love, he said, then my word will abide in you, and you will abide in me, and we will be one, and together we will be one in God. So, the question is not, can we become one with God like Jesus was? The question is, do I really want to? Am I willing to give up the things that I enjoy in this life? Now, we will get something that we enjoy more. We'll get something that will satisfy us more. But the real truth is, uh, everything, everything that we exchange with God, we come out better. Now, we can't have the mind of Christ, or let me put it this way, we can have the mind of Christ to the degree that we study, ponder, and meditate on his word. We can have a certain sense of the mind of Christ by giving up 
every sense of ourselves and becoming one with him, we can have the mind of Christ in a way that is beyond comprehension. So do you want to end your life so that you can become one with him? And to the degree that you do that, you will experience life that is so remarkable. It is beyond anything that you have ever been able to say. I hope you've enjoyed this series. I hope you take this seriously. And I hope you decide what's going to look like for you to lay down your life with Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.